What's the best concert you've ever seen? The most impressive live performance you've watched there on the stage in front of you? And how much were the tickets? A friend of mine told me about how he had these great seats at a concert for a top-selling, well-known musician. But partway through the concert, my friend and his wife, they decided to leave their good seats and go watch the rest of the show from the cheap seats. Why? Why would you willingly forfeit good seats and go back to the nosebleed section? Well, I'll explain the reason coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Well, here we are, another Monday, except this Monday is only two days out from the start of Lent, of course, uh, this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. If you have not signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, uh, I would very, very highly encourage you, highly recommend that you do that. You can sign up at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. And these are absolutely free. Um, you can listen to the, the audio version. You can read. There's a text version, and there's a video version that walks you through just a couple minutes each day of different aspects of the Mass. And uh, it's a wonderful way to learn more about what is happening during the context of the Mass. Again, absolutely free to sign up for these. You'll receive them every single day throughout Lent. And again, you can do that at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. Well, so my friend Todd and his wife Jennifer, they went to see Dave Matthews Band. Todd likes Dave Matthews just fine, but it's Jennifer, his wife. She's a huge fan. And because of that, Todd and Jennifer, they opted to pay a little bit more to get some nicer seats, have some better seats down there, kind of on the floor, fairly close to the stage. Not front row, but, you know, good seats. And they were excited. They were looking forward to the show. It was at an outdoor amphitheater. And when the day came, the weather was perfect. So everything looked great for this. They got there. When the show finally began, Todd and Jennifer, they heard the crowd behind them erupt with cheering and screaming and applause. There was some of that around them, but most of the people that were surrounding them in those good seats, the people who had paid more to have a better spot at the concert, most of these people were acting uninterested in the show as it began. Many of them were instead looking down at their smartphones and they were rarely watching the performance happening right there in front of them on the stage. Todd told me that at one point, still fairly early in the concert, I think only a few songs in, Dave Matthews and his band, they were in the middle of one of their songs, and there was a man right in front of Bill, uh, right in front of Todd. He was looking down at his phone, and Todd, he looked to see what the man was doing there on his phone. What's so, what's so important that you would look at your phone rather than paying attention to the, the show right in front of you? This man was apparently looking up how tall the actor Ryan Reynolds was. He was so uninterested in the show. He was looking up some random, meaningless trivia while the music was up there being played. And Todd and Jennifer said, as great as their seats were, they were getting more and more annoyed by the people around them who couldn't seem to care less if they were there live at a concert. So Todd and Jennifer, they went back up the, to the, the hill, the back of the amphitheater area, where the true fans were actually there. They were dancing. They were bouncing around. They were singing along to the songs. And Todd said that made all the difference. The rest of the concert was so much more enjoyable being around people who really wanted to be there at the show. 
And this made me think of another musician, Billy Joel. He's talked about in interviews how he actually no longer allows for tickets to be sold for those front rows of seats to his concerts. And he said early in his career, those would get sold. They, there would be these people who had paid large sums for those prime seats, but they weren't the real fans. They, would, they wouldn't stand up. They wouldn't sing along to the songs. And Billy Joel, he said, they just kind of sit there looking like this. They, they had this attitude of, come on, piano man, just entertain me. And so Billy said they stopped selling those tickets. Now he'll send his road crew out to the back of the room right before the start of the show to the people who have the worst seats. He said that's where the real fans are. And when his roadies bring up some of those different people into the front rows, well, they're ecstatic. They, they're on their feet the entire show. They're singing all the words to every song. And then Billy, he feeds off that energy from those dedicated fans, and it helps him to deliver a better performance. He wants to play his music for people who are excited to be there. Well, this really should be the case for almost anything we do in life. We should be fully engaged in what we're doing and what's happening around us. But there are all kinds of times where we get distracted, where we're only kind of half-focused on what's going on right in front of us. And this happens in the spiritual life regularly, too. Have you ever had that experience when you go to Mass at your parish? You, you find yourself thinking of other things. Maybe you're a bit preoccupied with what you need to do later that day, or maybe you're dreaming about what you're going to eat when you get home. Or do you say the responses in Mass without really giving much thought to the words? You're only saying those responses because, well, that's what you do at this point. That's what I've always done. If this sounds familiar, even if it's something that only happens occasionally for you, well, today we want to look at what really takes place at the Mass, how we can have a better understanding of what's happening throughout the different parts of the Mass. And if we understand the Mass better, hopefully this will allow us to enter into a deeper experience of prayer, of communion with Jesus each and every time that we come before Christ in the Eucharist at Mass. And joining us is our spiritual director for the hour today. Father Michael Martin is back with us, and Father Michael is a Franciscan priest. He's the pastor of St. Philip Benizi in Jonesboro, Georgia. Father, welcome back to The Inner Life. Josh, so good to hear from you. Glad to be with you and our listeners today. Well, so looking at the Mass and what we're uh, actually participating in, I guess the first thought for me is I didn't realize this when I first started attending Mass. I don't know when I first really heard this, but and I think many Catholics might be kind of in the same boat as me, not realizing that the entire Mass from start to finish is a continuous prayer. You know, we, we hear different scripture readings early in the Mass. We sing the Gloria or one of the Psalms. There's a homily, there's preaching. And we might think that prayer is limited only to certain parts of the Mass where, you know, we hear the intentions and we respond, Lord, hear our prayer, or maybe it's around the Eucharist and, and you know, when we pray the Our Father. How do you think we can approach the Mass and kind of gain this proper, this correct understanding of the entire Mass from beginning to end being a prayer? Yeah, um, I, I think one of the things that um, in some ways uh, supports the limited view of 
uh, that, as you say, you may have had and, and maybe uh, a number of our listeners have as well about uh, the, the entirety of the Mass not being a prayer is that there are times right before the uh, the collects or even during the intercessions where um, we might even use the phrase, let us pray. And so it, it, it gives us this um, uh, maybe misunderstood sense that whatever we were doing before that wasn't prayer because now we're, now we're really about to pray. Um, and nothing could be uh, further from the truth. I think the, the, the sense that uh, the, the beauty of the Mass is that it has uh, so many different kinds of prayer in it that uh, that speak to so many different dynamics in our relationship with with God, and so uh, from the very beginning, you know the uh, the opening antiphon, uh, you know we're we're acknowledging in in praise who God is in our lives and who we are, and so we start out um, out of the gate by invoking our God in the in the sign of the cross and so once we've called upon him once we've said we want to pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit the prayer is begun and um, and you know it's interesting um, I think for too many Catholics in particular um, the sense that I need to be there for the beginning of the prayer <laughs> It's a whole, you know, we, we could do a, you know, 10 shows on that, you know what I mean? Sure. Where, where people feel as if there are more important parts of the prayer of the Mass, and those are the ones that they really need to be there for, rather than seeing the, the Mass in its totality as, as uh, a, a one complete prayer and, and really the perfection of prayer. It's the source and summit uh, of of all of our lives uh, engaging with with God, so yeah, it's there are there are unique components within this prayer, but it is all prayer. Well, and even as you're talking about, you know, kind of from the opening of the sign of the cross, I, I've I've seen it in I think almost every parish setting I've ever been in that. There are people, as soon as they receive the Eucharist, as soon as they make it through the communion line, they're walking out the door, and they're not <laughs> finishing that prayer either. You know what I mean? It, it, they don't right. wait for the closing sign of the cross right. either. There, right. So, you know, there might be people at the beginning who are shortchanging themselves, but th- that's, that's happening at the end there as well. And, um, you know, that what you're talking about, having that, that sense that, well, a certain part of the Mass is more important, you know, and... And as you rightly said, you know, the Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith, but not to just go in, grab the Eucharist and say, great, you know, I've, I've done what I need to do. Now I need to get on my way to the, the right. other things I want to do. Um, it, it, we really need to have kind of a reworking of our approach, our understanding of the Mass. So I'm so glad we're able to take this hour to talk about this. Um you know, I'm always a big fan of defining terms here, too, Father, and we talk about the Mass being the sacred liturgy, and um, we even break the Mass into the two parts, the liturgy of the Word, the first part of the Mass, and then the liturgy of the Eucharist. But that word itself, liturgy, can you explain what that means? You know, it, it's, um, 
I think we should, first of all, just recognize um, the fact that there's, it's an, it's a public action, you know, that in, in, in our lives as Christians, we need to have ways of communally expressing who we are as believers, as being united in, in faith and sharing that united faith uh, with one another and with the world. And so liturgy by its very nature um, is public, even if it's, you know, uh, a, a priest saying mass uh, by himself, which is a misnomer because a priest never says mass by himself, but, you know, a priest saying mass uh, uh, on his own or alone in, in a small chapel somewhere, uh, there is a, uh, a public dimension to that uh, that connects it to the church at large. And so you're never, you're never celebrating, uh, celebrating Mass uh, you know, by yourself. It's always this public demonstration of our faith. And we live in a time when the, the, the concept of public demonstrations of faith have become very, pardon the pun, but anathema, you know, that to think that I'm going to publicly acknowledge my faith in some fashion is is almost left for those who are, um, you know, the just the kooks, you know, we just relegate them out there. Right. Yeah. We don't want to be seen in, as some sort of own little silo, stay in your lane and don't be foisting your your liturgy on me. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, the church says, no, we're, we're not foisting it on anyone, but it's a rejoicing. We can't help but proclaim uh, God's greatness in praise. We can't help but call upon God in intercession. We can't help but proclaim the good news in Scripture. And we can't help but sacrifice to be a part and connect once again as a remembrance in that sacrifice of Christ in his passion, death, and resurrection. So liturgy, by its very nature, is a public reality. And so that's why, you know, oh, I pray to God in my room and that's that's enough. Sure, that's great. It's not enough, but it's great. Pray to God in your room. Scripture even tells we're going to hear that on Ash Wednesday, you know, where where God, you know, is very clear in wanting us to take time quietly. But we're also, by the very social nature of the human person, we're called uh, to live a public life. And how do we live our public life as Christians? Father, it sounds like we're having a little bit of a connection problem with you. So we're going to take a short break and see if we can reestablish our connection here. Um, But I also want to come back to what you're talking about, that public dimension, that public demonstration of faith, you know, how we live that out and how the liturgy is something more than just in this time, in this moment, that it's something that is a continuation from the original sacrifice of Christ himself, and even a continuation going back to the Old Testament. Uh, Talking today here on The Inner Life with Father Michael Martin. He is the pastor of St. Philip Benizi Parish in Jonesboro, Georgia, and how we can more fully understand and participate in the Mass. And how has that happened for you? What has helped you to have that better understanding of what really is happening at Mass when you are there? Uh, What helps you to make the Mass that 
truly prayerful experience. Or maybe you have a question about a certain part of the Mass, something that you you don't understand. You'd like to understand it better. Our phone number to call in into the studio is 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll be right back here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I hope it's a good Monday for you here as uh, we're getting started off here this week. I'm Josh Raymond, speaking today with Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest, the pastor of St. Philip Benizi Parish in Jonesboro, Georgia, talking about the Mass today, the highest form of prayer that we have in the Church, and how we can have a better understanding of the Mass, how we can be more engaged, how we can enter more deeply into that experience of prayer, how we can be more fully united with Christ in the Eucharist. And how has that occurred in your life? When was that time that you were able to grow in your understanding, your appreciation of what is happening there at the Mass, um, to make it a more prayerful experience? Maybe you have a question about a certain part of the Mass, something that you don't quite understand. Why do we do this? Why do we say this? Why does the priest say what he says at a certain point? And you'd like to call in and speak with Father Michael Martin. Our phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, Father, before the break, you were talking about how uh, the liturgy that we, that we have as the Mass, it's this public demonstration of our faith. And... You know, you, you were kind of making that distinction of we don't want to be seen as some sort of religious fanatic, you know, that we, we want to kind of keep that part, part, part uh, uh, compartmentalized so that we, we bring out our faith when it's appropriate, but <laughs> at other times, well, we don't want to offend anybody, we don't want to make a spectacle of ourselves. But then you were saying, you know, if this really is what we believe, we can't help but engage in our faith and participate in the Mass and, and make that known to the world around us. Again, not to be crazy about it, but to make it something that people, when they see us, they have that absolute knowledge. One of the things that I thought you know might be good to talk about here, too, is that liturgy, you know, beyond just the praying in your room that you were talking about. We go into our room, we pray, we, we encounter God there. That's, that's wonderful, like you said, but it's not enough. When we participate in the liturgy of the Mass, there's this continuation um, that we are participating in that brings the past into the present and brings us out of just the immediate space and time that we're in. We get to participate in heaven itself, in eternity, and we also get to participate in the fulfillment that we saw established even in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, where the Passover was started there as 
the 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 Israelites they were freed from from slavery we get that same freedom from slavery from sin can you kind of speak to how we carry on that tradition when we come to mass that we are you know again entering into something that is more just me and god that that we really are part of this amazing uh, communion of saints well, Josh, I tell you the uh, the story that you told at the top of the hour uh, for our intro, I think, is uh, so spot on for uh, for the sort of the question that you pose here. You know, and what we see all too often uh, is a a spirit of of um, consumer uh, mentality that that really pervades even our spiritual lives, where. Uh, people are coming to Mass um, oftentimes uh, with their empty cup, so to speak, and they come in and want to be filled, and then they want to leave. And uh, while on some level there, there's probably some truth in that, it's, that's such a sad um, uh, rendering of something so sacred into something so small. The, the, the fact is, is that what we've done in that moment, like those those folks in that front row, is we've made it about ourselves rather than participating in something so much greater than ourselves that it's it's almost mind-boggling. And so the the public nature of liturgy is that we're participating in the work of God, in the action of God, in divine intervention in human history. The, the act of salvation, you know, as, as one, and I know that can sound so, like I just threw out 15, you know, religion words that, you know, for many people, it, it, it just sounds like, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, like, I, and I don't even know what that means, you know, but I, I think where, where we've got to appreciate that the, the liturgy is, is it, by its mysterious nature, um, has been um, set up for us from all time. And God's covenant with, uh, with Abraham, it, you know, you can, you can start there and go all the way through very powerfully through, through the Passover event uh, in, in Exodus uh, and, and certainly through the, the incredible act of love, of God's love in Christ's uh, suffering, death, and resurrection. And so as I just jumped through however many thousands of years in, in one sentence, so too <laughs> the, you know, the liturgy has this connection and allows us to participate in a saving act from all time and for all eternity. So in many ways, the beauty of going to the back of the of the chapel, so to speak, or the back of the concert hall, is that maybe you, you can see with a, a, a broader, um, you know, breadth of the totality of what's going on. I'm not telling people not to sit in front of sure. church. In fact, if I could close <laughs> all the back pews, I would. But I just think that we have, we have tamed the liturgy into such a small morsel that we then ingest as our way of being full for the week so that we've we've limited what God's work is which is so much greater and and transcends time and place. Yeah. Well, I you know as you're talking about that 
it's still accessible, though. I remember hearing yeah. Bishop Robert yeah. Barron speaking about how when we look at Christianity, it all focuses on a relationship, that friendship with Jesus. And he, he said, you know, when we get together with friends, well, what do we usually do? We, we talk, there's a conversation, and a lot of times we typically eat. We'll share a meal together, and mm-hmm. this is what we have happening at Mass. You know, there's, we get to hear God speaking to us. There's the liturgy of the Word, you know, the, the, the homily, all those different things that are happening. Then there's the liturgy of the Eucharist, that spiritual meal. And maybe you can speak to that, too. As profound and as beyond our complete comprehension the Mass might be, we also can approach the Mass with a sense of how this is really focused on our relationship and our friendship with Christ. Yeah, and, and I, I think, as you say, as enormous as it is in the best sense of the word enormous, um, God uses um, simple events and God uses, uh, you know, the base materials of bread and wine, you know, and and the the connection of friends around around a table. I think that um, the the purpose of the incarnation is the uh, desire on God's part to be made fully and completely known uh, to all of us, and so that's not revealed in in ways we can't come to appreciate deeply and wonderfully and beautifully. Uh, and, and so God uses the human experience, uses touch and smell and taste and, and sound, you know, and, and speech. All of our opportunities to engage in the human dynamic, which is so much a part of what the, the Eucharistic celebration is. And so as enormous as it is and as connected to things so great, it is also as basic as you can get, and and that's you know that's that's the nature of a of a created God who can wrap all of that together. Right. Well, you know, I, I remember that even in college classes that I would have, where the best professors were always those who could take a complex subject, and they would talk about it in a way that was so accessible and. Okay, I don't I don't get the entire explanation and I don't have that same doctoral level of understanding that this professor does, but he or she is so familiar with the material that they can explain it in those everyday terms is kind of what it reminds me of. You know, there's there's so much more you could get into. There's so much more you could unpack if you want to spend the years and years and years studying that. But the person who has such a knowledge of that and of course, you know, God himself, with infinite knowledge, um, you know, can make things accessible that are so far above us. Let's let's turn now and talk about maybe some of the things that can help us when we really are participating in the Mass, when we walk into the doors of our parish. And maybe we can talk about it from two different aspects here, from somebody who's just kind of starting out, but then maybe also look at it from somebody who has been going to Mass maybe their entire adult life, and, you know, they're they're in their 50s or 60s or 70s. So let's talk about that person who's just kind of starting out. If, if I'm just beginning to learn about the Mass, what are some key fundamentals, maybe some basics that can help me understand some, some important aspects of the Mass that'll make 
it'll help me to have that as a more prayerful experience every time that I'm walking into the church. You know, I think the probably the first thing is um, to know that it is helpful to prepare. You know, that the same way in which if we're going to a friend's house, we've been invited for dinner, um, we're going to give some thought, okay, what should I bring? What am I wearing? What time do I have to leave? Uh, you know, it, just basic concepts. I think the Mass has those same uh, realities. And so how can I prepare to go to Mass? Um, you know, we, we have for a long time told people, and rightfully so to a certain extent, just show up. You know, just show up. And there's there's goodness in that. However, to just show up without the benefit of at least preparing a little bit does leave all of us a little bit, you know, flat-footed. And much the same way that you would you would expect that I have prepared as the, the if I'm the, the pre-celebrant, it, you would expect that I've prepared. I, I think, you know, for you in order to have the fullest experience, you, you've got to prepare too. So that's that would be number one. There are lots of different ways to do that. I would just say one thing that everyone, most everyone, I guess, can do, read the readings ahead of time. That alone, I think, could be a good first step for anyone who's new to the liturgy to at least give them a, um, a greater sense of connection to what's going on at Mass that, than otherwise. I mean, I could go on for hours about other things that you can do to prepare, but I, I just think that that's a, that's a key uh, out of the gate. Perfect. Well, so that's for somebody who's maybe just kind of starting on that journey of wanting to uh, engage more in the Mass. If I'm somebody who's further along, if I, okay, I've already been reading those those readings before I walk into the Mass. Maybe I'm even praying some prayers, you know, when I, I, I show up a few minutes ahead, I try and get myself in that space where I'm ready to enter into that corporate prayer with the community of the, the parish and, and the church at large. If I am at that point, what are some other things, maybe some other suggestions that could help me take that next one or two steps deeper into praying through the Mass and encountering Christ there through that liturgy? Josh, I had a buddy of mine. He's, uh, he's deceased. God bless him. Um, but uh, he, <laughs> he, trying to get him to go to Mass, uh, long, you know, cradle Catholic, and trying to get him to go to Mass was a, a tough one. And he'd look at me. And he'd say, Father, it's the same old show. It's the same old show. <laughs> I, 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 I chuckled because just remembering him, the way he would say it, it was just funny. But the, the, the point is, is that a lot of times we go to Mass, those of us who have been going for a long time, and in, in many ways we do the same thing. And sometimes there is some desire for, hey, can we spice this up a little bit? And that's where... Um, some of the exodus, uh, maybe to maybe more evangelical or um, uh, more you know, other denominations, Christian denominations that you know that they're, where their uh, liturgical moment is a lot more bells and whistles uh, has attracted some people because we're we're looking at that. I would say that 
um, there is beauty in the ritual and, and ritual allows us to not watch a show. It's not the same old show because our participation is what is, is you know, ever unique in that, in that encounter with God. We're the ones who have changed. God hasn't changed. And so to come into the Eucharist as I've been doing most of my life and say, but I encounter this act of God at a different place for me, that God's encountering me where I am, that I think is, is to be appreciated anew each and every time we approach the Mass. And so um, I, I think the ritual sometimes gets bashed, but um, there's enough change in the world, and mostly that change is within me. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I discovered coming myself out of a Baptist background and having attended other Protestant churches before entering the Catholic Church, the the main thing that I would say is so important to remember, <laughs> and sometimes we can get distracted by, you know, you, you called it bells and whistles, but I, I've, I've uh, been to different Protestant and evangelical churches who have way better music mm. than uh, most Catholic churches. Um, you know, and, and this is not a detra- detraction on any priests. There are just some really gifted speakers that are preaching in some of these evangelical churches. A- and when you go to a Catholic parish, you hear, <laughs> you can hear some pretty, pretty uh, second-rate music. You can hear some second-rate preaching. A- and the thing is, though, you don't get to encounter Christ in the Eucharist in those other churches. And if you keep that as your, as your focus, all those other things, well, yeah, it'd be nice if they were all at the, the same or even better standard than what we see in some of these other uh, evangelical and Protestant churches. But um, having the ability to encounter Christ there in a true and real sense, a real presence of Christ, that, that elevates what happens at Mass for me more than anything else you could ever entice me with good music or good speaking. Well, I think, you know, you've been gracious in elevating uh, some of the music and some of the preaching to second rate. I think that might be overstating it. You know, that's, I think third or fourth rate, it, it, you know, in some places where I've been, it, God bless it. But I, I think the, the, the greater challenge here is not to, uh, not to just say, well, you know, that's what it's going to be. And, you, you know, no, we should be challenged as presiders to be better at, at preaching and, and better at, um, at cultivating a richer sense uh, of music. But I, I, I think that that's, you know, that street runs both ways in that, you know, I, I was in high school ministry for years and, you know, the students would say, Father, the mass is so boring. And I always used to say, well, I'll tell you this, you know, what I'd love to do in every sanctuary around the world, put a huge, massive mirror up behind the priest's head. And if you think I'm boring, you should look at you. I mean, you are boring. I mean, at least I'm up here somewhat animated. You're sitting there like a bunch of, you know, mushrooms, you know, like, come on, you know. And so I, I think that sense of challenging all of us to say, if there's bad music, we'll sing louder. We'll sing better. You know, like we'll overcome. Right. The... Or if you can sing or you're a musician, volunteer. 
help out. Right, right, exactly. Rather than, again, this, this concept that says, I'm a consumer, I've come to be, you know, filled, and it's your responsibility to fill me. I, I, I'm a passive receptor here. And that is nowhere near full, conscious, and active participation in liturgical celebrations that the council calls us to. And that's a responsibility, not a choice. That's a responsibility. Yeah, that's a, and that's a great distinction, a responsibility, not a choice. Uh, today, talking with Father Michael Martin here on The Inner Life. He's the pastor of St. Philip Benizi Parish in Jonesboro, Georgia, and taking your phone calls as we discuss the Mass, how we can have that deeper experience, how we can be more engaged in the Mass when we go to church, and what has helped you to have that better understanding, the better uh, uh, that 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 deeper participation in the mass. Maybe you have a question about a part of the mass that is you, you've never quite understood. Maybe it's confusing. It's something you don't know why the priest says something he says, or why we as the lady respond with what we say. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Michael Martin. Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine is the phone number. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Father Teresa is calling listening in Illinois. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Um, I have no difficulty understanding that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, um, but uh, what's missing for me is the sacrifice. So would you guide me step by step in how the Mass is a sacrifice? And also, when I receive uh, the Eucharist, um, I think I'm receiving uh, the resurrected body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, yeah? So how does the sacrifice at Calvary turn into that? I don't understand. Thanks so much, Teresa. And um, oh, that more and more of our faithful were asking themselves that very question that I I think goes unasked. Uh, To me, it's the heart of what it is that that we are are celebrating, and the uh, the reality of the mass first and foremost, um, we have to understand the dynamic that's going on. I want to say a little bit beyond space and time, because again, we're our our world is limited by space and time. And so we're, we can really only see now and we can only be present now. And yet God's work is eternal. And so to participate in God's work is to, in that moment, to transcend space and time. So we can participate as we participate in the Mass. We can participate in Christ's saving Christ's redemptive work of being present to us, teaching us, living with us, sharing life with us, and then suffering, dying, and rising again for us. And the sacrifice is the sacrifice of God's very Son as the the scapegoat, as the, the one who will accept onto himself the brokenness of the world and give up his life, however, as, as a payment for the brokenness of, of the world, however, in doing so, 
rises again and transforms sin into not the final word, but rather by defeating sin, resurrected life is is our future, is our promise. And so I feel uh, well out of my league here in trying to pull into a, a, a 30 second response the totality of the kerygma, you know, from, you know, from the apostolic time to present. But uh, I hope that that in some small way gives you a sense of, uh, of the sacrifice that, um, that we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus's body and blood broken and shared for all of us and resurrected to give us the hope of new life to come for us as well. Uh, one word that I always think of with this, uh, you know, th- this concept of the sacrifice of Christ is it's a perpetual sacrifice, that it's ongoing, that it is something that continues on and continues on, so that it's, again, kind of what you were saying, Father, going back, it's not just fixed in one time, in one space, in the the, the grand scheme of our universe, but right, that and, we and get to experience it ongoing. I think the, uh, sorry for interrupting you there, but I, I think that the, the sense of memorial, which for us, we, we don't have the, the ancient Jewish concept of remembering that when you are actually doing this in memory of me, it is being made real in, in your remembering. And that's where, you know, the, the Jewish community powerfully holds memory as such a um, essential reality of the human experience and teaches us to you know to do the same and so that sense of the memorial that when we do this when we remember him um, it, it it is to participate in the, in his saving act Again, our spiritual director, Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest and the pastor of St. Philip Benizi Parish in Jonesboro, Georgia. And we're taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149 as we talk about the liturgy of the Mass today, how we can enter into the Mass and understand it, engage our, our, our time there in prayer, and we can have that deeper understanding and experience with God, with Christ in the Eucharist. Uh, how has that happened for you? Maybe you have a question about the Mass itself, and you'd like to talk with Father Michael. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, speaking today with Father Michael Martin, pastor of St. Philip Benizi Parish in Jonesboro, Georgia, and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. And uh, we're talking about the Mass today, how we can have that deeper experience, how we can be more engaged when we go to church, when we're at Mass. And again, our phone number to call into the studio, 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, uh, we talked a lot about the sacrifice. You know, Teresa had that great question about 
the question of, okay, how, how does the sacrificial aspect of Christ go along with receiving the resurrected body of our Lord, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity there in the Eucharist? We've talked a lot about the liturgy of the Eucharist. Is there anything that we should know about the liturgy of the Word before we kind of move into other areas? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that, Josh. I, one of the things that um, has really struck me in um, in my own parish, as well as you know, everywhere around the world, is the desire on the part of the faithful to want to read the readings along as they're being proclaimed. And I just believe that when we do that, we so minimize the the real dynamic that, and I say dynamic because it is dynamic, the real dynamic that is going on during the liturgy of the word. I, I like to describe it this way. I say if if your beloved wants to have a very personal and powerful conversation with you, and they say, I want to sit down and I want to speak to your heart, and they say, I'm you you can have a transcript of what I'm going to say, but in this moment I want to speak to you. Who of us would read the transcript while our beloved was speaking to our hearts? We would be dialed in, our eyes just focused on the person that is delivering that message from our uh, of our beloved. Sure. And to me, that, and people will say, well, I can't hear. I, I get it. Read the readings beforehand, <laughs> or the lectors are terrible, or the sound system is this and all that. But the, when we go to the, the missalette, or when we go to our missal in that moment, we have minimized the powerful acknowledgement of, of what the word means, what the word is, the personification of word. That the, the same type of dismissiveness around the real presence in the Eucharist is also being lived out in the diminishment of God's word as a personal encounter with God just to words on a page. You know, and that's where, you know, in, in, in liturgical practice, you know, they've told us to not hold up the book and say the word of the Lord because it's not the book, it's not the pages. It's the the personification of what was just said. I, I, I apologize for that little rant. But, no, 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 uh, no. I, you know, I'm glad and, you bring that up because, um, you know, if, if, we, if we really believe that those words from Scripture are inspired by the Holy Spirit, literally God breathed into yes. existence, then being able to hear them spoken out loud should have an incredibly profound impact on us every time we're at Mass. Absolutely. And, you know, then I'm blessed at my parish. Our, our electors are wonderful. I mean, just they proclaim. And it's uh, I know every parish doesn't have that. And I have hearing aids myself, so I'm half deaf. I, you know, so I, I appreciate people that can't hear and the like. At the same time, I'm going to prepare for that. And I'm going to try and make this personal encounter a powerful one. Uh, Father, we're getting a little short on time here, but you worked at a college campus for a number of years. If there's a parent out there who's listening and saying, okay, my teenager or my college age, you know, child, maybe when they're home, you know, for spring break or over the summer or, you know, uh, Christmas time, 
they just it seems like it's it's uh, a chore to try and get them to go to church they they aren't engaged they don't want to be there at mass they know it's expected but any advice for that parent on how they might kind of uh, uh, you know broach that subject and that they could do more good in trying to engage their child not kind of drive that further wedge I, I think where where we miss the boat a lot is thinking that our young people don't want to know why it's important to us. And so for parents to say, in my spiritual life, in my personal life, this is what this means to me. And then to say what that is. And then to say, because of who you are in my life, to share this with you means this for me. I, I think that's compelling. And I, you know, I think, you know, commanding and the like, God bless if that's what works in your house. But I, I think what's far more compelling is when I can, I can share with my uh, teenage son or daughter, you know, that this is who I am and this is how this is powerful for me. And this is what it would mean for me if you were there to share it with me. Um, but And it can't just be, I would like you to do that, but this is what this means. And this is how your being there and us sharing this together uh, is so powerful. I would say, you know, we we love to have the people we love, love the people and things that we love the way that we love them. And and the Eucharist is is part of that. And, and so it's, it's part of the human dynamic to want to share it. Yeah, well, you know, really, I, I think what you're saying is so key. There has to be that per- personal explanation and witness of why this is important. Because if you're just saying, well, it's the right thing to do, that has no, that blah, has blah, no, blah. yeah, right. It, it doesn't yeah. have any authenticity that comes alongside it there. Right. Um, and then, of course, sharing, you know, yeah, there's this authenticity, but. I share this because I love you. You are so important to me. I want you to have the very best things in life I've found, and here's one of those. Uh, Father, uh, the hour has gone by so quickly. I know there's so much more we could talk about, but I'm so glad you were here with us for this hour. As we're uh, down to our last 30 seconds, could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Absolutely. Lord our God, your work in creation and through liturgy is powerful, and it elevates us to the throne of your glory. Allow us to appreciate that and to join ourselves with one another and with you each and every day in the liturgy of praise that is the Eucharist. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Mike, for being with us here today on The Inner Life. Big thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Sarah Tafoya helping to produce the program today. Thank you for listening. Of course, if you joined us late, go find the podcast. It'll be posted shortly at our website, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. While you're there, make sure you sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass absolutely free, and they will be a perfect supplement to this hour of discussing the Mass. They'll help you learn more about what happens, what occurs when you go to Mass. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life.